I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. The following podcast contains explicit language. Can you believe it's February and we're working outside? It's so nice. And if my pool filter weren't buzzing so annoyingly in the background, it would be even nicer. I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how so much can come from something, even if nothing comes from it. And we'll answer a question about how to develop a take on IP, which is intellectual property. And in Hits and Bombs, I've got a hit related to my recent decision to become an unexpected expert in the art of spinning and Liz has a clothes bomb. Speaking of clothes, this week's Hollywood hack will help ensure that you don't wear the same outfit twice when you don't want to. Finally, we've got some repeat celebrity sightings. Yes, but first an update. So we are going to have a meetup soon. Stay tuned for a date. Join our Facebook group, which is the first place we'll announce it. Yes, and Sarah, we wanted to take a moment to ask our listeners to tell a friend. Yes. At the end of every episode, we say, please subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, we would love for you to subscribe if you haven't already. But we really wanted to say... Please tell a friend about the show. Yes. Word of mouth is the best way for us to get new listeners. And it's interesting, Liz, I was reading an article about how men and women approach things. And um, one of the things it says is that women save the ask for the end, Mm. which is clearly what we've been doing, whereas men go straight in and start with the ask. So Ah. here we are. We're starting with the ask. Yes. The ask is please tell a friend about Happier in Hollywood. And listen, while you're at it, tell two friends. Yeah. I'm going to increase the ask. Tell two (laughs) friends. How how male am I right now? (laughs) We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Liz, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's the idea that so much comes from something, even if 
Nothing comes from it. It sounds like it makes no sense, but it does. (laughs) It does. And we, this sort of, this notion came to us on a recent hike, because as we've talked about, we've been doing a lot of hikes. And we were talking about how our CBS pilot got passed on, which Mm -hmm. I think this is the official announcement of that, Sarah. Our CBS pilot got passed on, everyone. Yes, it did. (laughs) Um, Of course, we were not happy about that. We sort of saw it coming, so it wasn't nearly as big of a surprise as the ABC one getting passed on. But it was what we were talking about um, and how we sort of got this idea that something comes from that something comes from something, even if nothing comes from it. (laughs) Is that we were saying we got a lot out of doing that pilot. We really did. We, you know, have been working writers for a while now, but somehow we haven't done anything at CBS. Yeah, or CBS Studios. Right. Both the studio and the network, we really only knew one person there, and it was someone who used to be at Fox. Right. So for us, just getting to know everyone at the studio and getting to know everyone at the network is huge. And even better, like, we really liked all of them and felt like they were also just, like, talented and smart and nice. Yeah. And Sarah, like, as we all know, no matter what your business, it's, like, all about connections, right? So making these new connections could lead to something we can't even imagine right now. No, there are lists all over CBS Studios and CBS Network for a thousand things we don't even know about that we were not on a year ago that we're probably on now. Yeah, and it's not even just being on the list because maybe we were on the list, but if someone was looking right. like through the list, yeah. they wouldn't necessarily stop at our name simply because they didn't know us. Yeah. And you tend to hone in on the people you know. Yeah, now they'd be like, oh, Craft and Fame. Yes, oh, I could see Craft and Fame yeah. doing this. So, um Who knows, like, they could get some great piece of IP and be looking for somebody to develop it and come to us. Or there could be a show that already exists that needs a showrunner. Um, They could come to us. And then, of course, there's always the chance of the people moving other places and expanding our network that way. Yeah. So, so much came from it, even though nothing came from it. (laughs) Yes. And then it's funny because we were having this experience yet again. Um, Recently, we had a meeting about potentially going on a show Um, and about a few things, kind of a general. And in prepping for the meeting, it somehow led us to have a great idea about one of our fiction podcasts we're working on. Yes. Suddenly, just discussing something totally different, we had like a breakthrough on a fiction podcast idea. Yeah. It like all this stuff just fell into place and we never would have been having that conversation had we not been preparing to go to this meeting. And even small things came from prepping for this meeting. We read a book. Like, I've been meaning to read this book for probably two years, and I'm finally reading the book in prep for the meeting. It's an amazing book. I should have read it before. Yeah. So it's like time and time again, if you look at things where nothing came from it, you can find, oh, wait, something did come from this. Yes. So what's the lesson? What's the action item? (laughs) Right. Surrounding this notion. (laughs) So here's an action item, Sarah. Yes. A commandment, let's call it. Let's do. You have to put your all into something, even if you don't ultimately think it will go anywhere. Right. Like the CBS project that we did, we knew they had competing projects with huge names attached. Uh, It seemed to us very likely the whole time that it wouldn't move forward. But we still did the best job we could possibly do on the pilot, and we're really proud of it. And 
now we have good relationships instead of, like, shitty relationships with people who think we phone it in. Right. That's the thing. If you phone it in, then everybody notes it. Yeah. So you just can't phone it in. <laughs> and I think, like, that seems obvious, but it it's kind of hard to remember because the thing in front of you looms so large. Yeah. That it's hard to remember that, like, when this project is over, this case is over, whatever your business is, there's this huge future in front of you where how you performed on this deal, even if it doesn't come to anything, is going to influence how people think of you. Yes. It can be hard to remember that. Yeah, it absolutely can. So just remember, so much can come from something, even if nothing comes from it. That's right. And of course, Sarah, we want to know, what have you gotten from something that led to nothing? <laughs> if you can follow that. It's a mind bender. We, we really are curious. Email us or send us a memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Okay, Sarah, it's time for our mailroom segment in which we answer a question from a listener about the business. And today's question comes from Allie. She asks, when approaching IP, which is intellectual property, How have you gone about developing a take for the material that you will use to pitch to potential partners and buyers? Would love to hear what this means and any specific tips and strategies. Okay, great question, Allie. Let's expand a little on IP, just so people, intellectual property means a book, an article, a podcast, anything really that's already existed. Even a television show can be IP for another television show. (laughs) And it's very hot right now. Yes. It's always been popular, but it feels like right now almost everything that's created for television has some sort of IP. It's comforting somehow to people to have IP. Yes. And in fact, often, even if someone has like an idea, they'll retrofit IP because they think it'll sell better. And it frankly will sell better. Yep. In this market, it absolutely will. It's a smart approach. But yes, to Allie's question, if if a company is going out with IP or if you're trying to pursue IP, whatever, however it comes into your life, whoever you're pitching to is going to ask for your take. Mm-hmm. So how do you develop? We've done IP before. Yes, many times. We did the selection pilot, which um, we did twice, which was based on a young adult book. Yes, Women's Murder Club was our first show for ABC, was based on a James Patterson series. Yeah, and we did a pilot that didn't get shot with Harlan Coben and Sean Ryan based on a book by Harlan Coben. Mm-hmm. So we've we've done this. Yes, many times. And, like, I think the most important thing to think about first, if you're going to be selling this to someone, is... Telling them why you connect to the material. Yes. What is it about it? Either a personal connection that you have or what kind of appeals to you the most about it? Is it the relationship at the center of it? Is it you understand the industry that it's in in some way that other people don't? Like, what is it that makes that piece of IP incredibly compelling to you and why? And then having figured that out... It's like, what is your take? That really means how are you going to turn this from a book, let's say, into a television show that people want to watch? Because there's a lot, a lot of times it's not obvious. No. I think, Sarah, with Game of Thrones, many, many people had wanted to adapt Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But the creators convinced George R. Martin that they were the right people to do it because they had a take, I assume. <laughs> 
I haven't heard the story directly from them, though I would like to. Well, wasn't their take we're going to do at least we're going to start off with just following the books? Probably. You know, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I'm sure there was more to it than that. But in some cases, you can do that. Like if the book is easily adaptable, amazing. But yeah, most of the time it's there are all of these characters. These are the ones I want to focus on. Yes. Because these characters have the most compelling story. So they'll be at the center. And then kind of building out around them. And you have to think about how do you create an episode? Like, how is this every episode going to have an engine? How is it going to have a natural ending? Because obviously a book doesn't need that in the same way. Or especially an article. Yeah. Well, and you also have to sort of open your mind to pace. Mm-hmm. In many cases, mm-hmm. the entire book will be the pilot. Yes. Or it could be that the entire book is part of a season or the entire season one, or depending on the book, it could be six seasons. So think about how you want to break it down to tell the best story. And also, like, say you're given an article to look at. You have to think about, even though this is a very interesting article, Are there multiple seasons of television in this? Like, just because something is a good story doesn't necessarily mean you can do 100 episodes of it. Right. Well, like the the CBS pilot that we just did was based on an article about— A one-page article. If that. I mean— Half a page. (laughs) Very short article about a group of women who come together over a particular— disappearance. Yes. So we said, okay, the pilot can be them coming together. Yeah. But then we have to know why they're together, why they stay together, what drives them to want to solve more cases. That's something to me that that seemed very clearly a procedural. Yes. You know, it was that was an episodic idea. Yes, that was very easy to see. Okay, they'll just keep doing it over and over again. You only need a half a page. You don't need, like, much to understand the concept of women coming together to solve cases. Right. But other things can be more complicated. And sometimes you don't know until you get into actually writing a pitch if it's a show. Right. An interesting example just for something to kind of study is The Passage. That was a hugely popular book. Yes, which we are both huge fans of. And it was adapted into a television series by Liz Heldens. Watch that show. Read the book, watch that show, and see the choices that she made. She's a brilliant writer, and some things probably worked out beautifully, and some things were probably really hard to wrangle. Um, But that's, to me, like a really good example of something where you can say these are the choices she made based on, like, the emotions of the characters and the relationships between them that I really want to highlight. It's such a cool book, and the show was really great. I was bummed that it didn't keep going. Also, of course, you always have to think about should this be cable or broadcast? So, you know, obviously cable is going to be much edgier. The Passage, for example, would have been a totally different show on HBO than it was on Fox because Fox has broadcast standards. So it's like, where does the material lend itself? Think about that. Because, by the way, as we've said before, not every show is meant to be cable. Some shows work better on broadcast. For instance, the show we were just talking about, the Mm -hmm. CBS pilot we did, I think was— would have been a great show for broadcast. It, yes. re- it really fell into that. It would not have made sense on a, on a right. streamer. Right. But uh, it didn't go. But, you know, still a good idea. <laughs>
So, Allie, I hope those ideas help you and other people who are approaching IP. Um, It's such a great question, Sarah. I can't believe we haven't talked about it more. And if other people have ideas out there, please share, because I I would love to talk more about this. Yes, and the next time we are developing IP, we'll make sure that we kind of talk through that process a little bit more here. Yes, we will. (laughs) And we will learn things as we do that. So thanks, Allie. Thanks, Allie. Coming up, hits and bombs. Spoiler alert, my hit has been over seven years coming. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it's time for hits and bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. You're going to lead the way this week with a big hit. Yes. So this weekend, I bought a used loom. Not not to be confused with the spinning wheel you bought. A loom is different. (laughs) It says different. And it's not like a huge floor loom. It's just like a 24-inch loom. Anyway, so... What I realized, because I had to drive out to, like, Riverside, it was like an hour and a half away, to pick up the loom, it was the first time in Violet's entire life, she's now seven and a half, Mm -hmm. that I have done anything on the weekend that she had to do with me that was just purely for myself. Like, we always, you know, I plan everything kind of around her schedule and the things she wants to do, and, uh, and this was, like, just for me. It was not super fun for her in any way, shape, or form, although it did end up being actually kind of fun. But I was just proud of myself. I mean, I both get sort of chills and, like, <laughs> a, a pain in my stomach from I know. that. It's like, oh, my God. That's a long time to go without doing anything for yourself on the weekend. And I know sometimes yes. you get a babysitter and do something, but that's different from Violet following your agenda right? <laughs> instead of you always— you know, leaning into her agenda. Yes, exactly. And of course, it's very important for kids to realize that they're not the only people that exist in the world and to do things like for other people. So, you know, I guess it's a bomb for bad parenting (laughs) up to this point, but a hit for, you know, doing it now. Yes, I'm very proud of you. You You're so happy. (laughs) You've already started weaving or setting up. It's a long, drawn-out process. (laughs) Um, But you've already dived into the whole thing. Yes. So I think it's fantastic. It's fun. And I want you to do things for yourself more often. Okay. (laughs) 
We'll see if it happens. <laughs> I'll work on it. And then, Liz, you have a bomb. Yes. So, Sarah, my bomb, and I think I've sort of touched on it when we talked about our canary in a coal mine, uh-huh. was I felt very sure that our ABC pilot was going to go. I don't know why. Well, I you mean, never, it you know, gone. you never know what's going. But True. I just really felt it would. And therefore, I thought I should buy a bunch of clothes now while I have downtime because I'm going to be so busy in the spring. <laughs> I won't have any time to get clothes for all these things we'll have, like table reads and cast dinners and all these hopefully down the line upfronts. So I just like went out and I bought a bunch of clothes. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. That was stupid. I should. That's like counting your chickens before they're hatched. That might be why the pilot didn't get picked it up. It probably Liz. is. I, I jinxed us. <laughs> you jinxed us with I your clothes. Us. Okay, remind me of that next time we have a pilot. Don't allow me to buy a thing. Well, we're waiting to hear. Okay. Okay. I will say I kind of did something similar. I made a yellow scarf that I was sure would be my on-set in New York City scarf. Um, And now every time I see this scarf, use this scarf, I will be thinking, oh, that was the pilot that didn't get made. That sucked. And it's such a pretty yellow scarf. I know. It's beautiful. I will say on the plus side, because our pilots didn't go, we have actually have like a million meetings. Yes. And I have been wearing <laughs> all of these clothes yeah. to the meetings. So it's not like they're just sitting in the closet, but they are slightly tainted. Yes. No, it wasn't a waste. It yeah. wasn't a waste because I, I am using them. Yes. But it's the same thing. When I put on those Veronica Beard pants, I'm yeah. like, well— this isn't for the table read. You know what? I'll wear them to another table read someday. That's right. And then <laughs> we have a mutual bomb oh, that yes. we want to give yes. that comes from all of the work hikes we're doing. Yes. Every single hike we're on, I think, yes, there's every at single least one. one person listening to music out loud. This is not a necessary thing to do anymore. No. We have these things called earbuds and headphones. It is so obnoxious to be Ugh. like, I am going to treat everyone on this nature trail to my music loudly. It is so obnoxious. Yeah. It, it real like, there's going to be the day when I'm in the wrong <laughs> Oh, my mood God. I can't wait for this. <laughs> and, like, I say something. Yes. It hasn't happened yet, but it might. Oh, my God. I can't. I'm hoping that that happens because your sort of Liz exploding stories oh. <laughs> I tell them to Violet sometimes at bedtime because they're so funny. Um, Like the one from when we first moved here and we were living. You lived in Marina del Rey. I lived in um, Santa Monica. And I think it was like the 4th of July. (laughs) Okay, you tell the story. Well, I just we were walking down the street and these guys were driving by in a convertible and they were just really obnoxious. Well, it was common like a denominator, white, they were blaring music. They were blaring music and it was like a, this white Porsche convertible. <laughs> it was just super obnoxious. And I took it upon myself to just start yelling at them and saying, oh, you think you're so cool in your Porsche. You're so lame. On and on, looking at them, yelling. And as I was full rant, I ran really 
hard into like a telephone pole. And I mean, I mean humiliation doesn't begin to describe. Oh, and then I told that story to Violet as like a cautionary tale about like sort of <laughs> don't just like be yelling at people you don't know. Yes, because even, they, first of all, they might hurt you. Second yeah. of all, you might run into a pole and completely humiliate yourself. But she loves the story so much that I, she literally will ask me for oh the Liz Bull story oh, over and over. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, so that, you know, I'll try to keep quiet. If you're at Fryman, just use your headphones, please. Coming up, we've got a Hollywood hack that will help you rotate your meeting wardrobe. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. Take pictures of your outfit before you go to a meeting. Yes. Now, this came up because we're going on lots of meetings, and we realized it's so easy to just take a picture of what you're wearing to, say, Netflix, and then the next time you have a meeting at Netflix, look it up on your calendar when the meeting was. Oh, on February whatever, we were at Netflix. Look back at your pictures because everything has the date attached to the picture and go, oh, this is what I wore to the meeting. It sounds complicated. It's actually not that complicated. What's funny is every time I put on an outfit for a meeting, I'm like, well, I'll totally remember what I wore to this meeting. I could never forget. I mean, especially if it's a pitch. I could never forget what I wore (laughs) to our NBC pitch. Well, of course, I have no clue. No clue. And granted, they probably don't either. Probably you could wear the same outfit and nobody would notice, but I don't want to. Right. I don't want that nagging wondering, is is anyone going to know if I wore the same outfit? I wore the same Johnny Buzz blouse last time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the more specific it is, the less you want to repeat it, at least like in a row. I mean, if it's in a year— you know, and you've had three meetings since, but... No, if you have, like, one meeting, and then three weeks later you have another meeting, and then three weeks later you have another meeting, which happens all the time, you don't want to be like... Anyway, it's... But it's simple. Yes. By the way, Sarah, small bonus mm. hack here. Uh-huh. In case anyone's wondering, yes, it is okay to wear the same outfit to multiple meetings with uh, different people. Oh, Absolutely. We often will be like, this is my pitch outfit. And then you wear that to every single pitch for a given project. Yes. So that's like it's something that just makes your life easier. Yes. When you're stressed about pitching all over to know like this is what I'm wearing. I don't have to think about it. Yes. It makes it much easier. Yeah. Okay. So that's our hack. Just take a picture of your outfit before you go to the meeting. 
And then it's time for our celebrity sighting. Yeah. Now, Sarah, this is just getting silly. I know. At this point. <laughs> I, 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 it's crazy. <laughs> so a few episodes ago, our celebrity sighting was I saw Harry Hamlin at Fryman Canyon. Yeah. And then the two of us saw Lisa Rinna at Fryman Canyon. And then I just saw <laughs> Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin together at Fryman Canyon. I feel like we need to stop them and have a conversation. I know, it's, it's crazy. kind of silly. I keep seeing them. So, I mean, I think this officially has to be our last Harry <laughs> Hamlin and Lisa Rinna celebrity site. I think I, so, Once yes. you've seen them this many times, it just stops counting. Yeah. Just assume we're continuing to see them. Yes. Yeah. And then in the <laughs> same vein... We saw, again, John Voight at Hugo's. Yes. What this makes me realize, Sarah, <laughs> is we probably see the same people over yes. and over again. But because they're not famous, they just don't fully register. We don't remember that we saw them. Yes. No, it just it reminds us that like the world is very small and people have habits and routines and we all do them. Even celebrities. Yes. And like I am constantly seeing two. um, What are they called? The license plate. Personalized license Mm. plates. I always see Whiskey Love and Dr. Giggles. Mm. So if anybody knows Whiskey Love or Dr. Giggles, tell them hi. We're often in the same place. I see them over and over and over again. We clearly have the exact same routine. But Sarah, I think you and I need to get out of our routine <laughs> so that we see new people because we we clearly we are just doing the same things over and over. Again. New people, new personalized license plates. All okay. Right. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And as we discussed earlier, please tell a friend. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, do you want to feel the alpaca? Not really. Is that wrong? (laughs) Your face. You're like totally disgusted. I'm euphoric and you're disgusted. There's just something about it that grosses me out. It's so soft. From the Onward Project.